Welcome to another episode of the Backcheck the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate the Hall of Fame cases of NHL players. My name is Riley. I am with Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we are finally experiencing another Hall of Fame class where they admitted everybody they could. Uh, the 1993 class of four players. It's a shock. We don't know what to do. <laughs> We've been doing so many with two, only two. Um, and it's a it's a loaded class. We have uh, Islanders goalie Billy Smith. We have two more players from the uh, the possible greatest team ever, the late 70s Montreal Canadiens in Steve Shutt and Guy Lapointe. And then we have a random New York Ranger, Edgar Laplante. Laprod, sorry. So we're starting off uh, with sort of the most recent guy, second most recent guy, but most recent guy to win anything, and that is Billy Smith. And he was a uh, goalie for 18 seasons from 71 to 89. Weirdly, only seven as the undisputed starter, which you might think might make him um, a weird case, but it, it really does seem like maybe there was... I, I, I mean, Billy Smith played most of his career well i was like eight when he retired or seven so i did not see this guy play uh so it seems like injury and workload may have played a factor because the other nine he was essentially a 1a he played not quite the majority of games um so he was never actually a backup ever really um compared to a lot of guys who like played a really long time sorry it was maybe one year he might have been a backup and that was his final uh year in the league um, or sorry, two two years. I seem to have screwed that. Oh yeah, well, yeah I'm, I'm I'm trying to think of who the Islanders goalie would have been at that point. Um, uh, seven plus nine is is sixteen, not eighteen. So that's why. I was <laughs> like, sorry, yeah. Anyway, uh, we, we can look that up. But like basically, he you know regularly he averaged between uh forty and and fifty something games played a season, um, which is totally normal now, but maybe wasn't then. Right? Yeah, and and like given that often he was they were eighty games. You know when he was playing thirty six. You know, somebody somebody else was playing uh, 30-something, but the thing is there might have been three goalies on the team, right? It depends on the year. Oh, so. It was probably that damn Kelly Rudy at the end. I know it. Yeah. <laughs> it so, <was> <laughs> yeah, the other thing, I, I when I said nine as a 1A, the one thing I wasn't taking into account is it could have been three or four goalies on the team at the time, and Billy Smith still played the most games. Yeah. I didn't click through every single season of his career to see which of those happened. So... Regardless, he like I said, between like 36 and 58 games, basically every season except for two. Uh, the 58 was a really a big outlier. It was mostly in the 40s. But uh, anyway, so when he retired, he was eighth all time in wins, 13th all time in losses, and 11th all time in ties. He is now 18th all time in ties and overtime whatevers. Um, he was also ninth all time in minutes played as retirement and ninth all time in goal games played. Uh, and he was he is still 25th all time in goalie uh, in in total uh, sorry in goalie point shares and he is ninth all time in hockey references goal saved above average which is a metric that tries to evaluate goalie performance versus their peers so ninth all time is is really good but that should be reminded uh, is cumulative so you need to play for a while um, you know in order to get there and of course uh, he was ninth all-time in games played for goalies when he retired, so ninth all-time in goal save above average is not particularly crazy. Uh, his GAA sounds bad at 318, but of course you got to think about when he played, and his 895 save percentage, which was was 21st all-time in his retirement, even though it sounds bad. Well, it, that's course, the thing, too. It's, it, it sounds bad 
because we're used to 930 is yeah. a great save percentage. Mm-hmm. But even if you think about within our lifetime, when Hashik started putting up like the nine, it like consistently in the 930s, it was like unheard of. Yeah. Like just, it was ridiculous. And now it's like a good oh. goalie is going to be in the 930s. Like what? Yeah. Like just the equipment's gotten so much better. The technique has become so refined that, you know, like if a goalie sees the puck, he's probably going to stop it unless you have a particularly like a cannon of a shot, you know, like the goaltending has improved so much. So to judge these guys by that, and don't forget the defensive systems and everything too, lots, lots more shot blocking, all that stuff. So I I feel like everybody craps on the goalies of that air, but like, like bad equipment techniques weren't perfected and the chances they faced were, you know, how many guys got to come in, come down the wing and just let loose with a massive slap shot from like the ears that never happens. now. <laughs> like yep. that is just not how hockey works anymore. So the yeah. other thing to point out though, is like he was on the leaderboards for save percentage and he wasn't for GAA. And that's because GAA had been recorded since the very first game in NHL history and save percentage had been recorded since like basically initially uh, we thought save percentage had been recorded since 81 and then it turns out that that was league-wide. It was actually teams have been recording it since, I think, the late 50s. Mm-hmm. But, like, that information didn't become available on the internet for a long time. Anyway, the fact is he was competing against more, slightly more contemporary goalies in the save percentage category, whereas goals against he was competing with the 20s, where yeah. guys' goals against average in the, in the 20s are phenomenal, well, yeah, there right? Was, there was no forward pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're like, yeah. So they're all like 1.8, right? Like, and yeah. So anyway, um, but Billy Smith looks fantastic in his draft. Uh, he's first in wins. He is first in ties. He's second in losses, which is important. I misspelled losses somehow. Uh, he's first in GAA. He's first in save percentage. He's first in point shares among all players, um, including uh, skaters. He's the first goalie in games played. He's the best goalie in his draft. Um, I don't. I should look at his draft to see who, if there was an other goalie of any kind of note, because I don't remember. Um, oh, yeah, there's uh, Gilles Maloche, and uh, I don't remember Dan Bouchard. Um, but uh, they were uh, not cl- very clearly um, not as good as... Uh, they, play, they played... Well, actually, Maloche played significantly more than um, Billy Smith, actually. But... Um, Billy Smith was clearly better, partly possibly because of the team he was on. Uh, Era-wise, uh, of the 400, sorry, the 15 goalies to play 410 games between 71 and 89, he is second in wins, sixth in losses, fourth in ties, fifth in goals against, third in shots against, third in saves, second in save percentage. So that save percentage no longer looks bad because yeah. he's second in his era. Twelfth in goals against average, which is interesting, way lower than you might expect, but yeah. second in goals saved above average. Um, which is the hockey reference advanced metric. And then fifth in shutouts, which I didn't mention earlier on because he has very few shutouts, but like many goalies there, they had very few shutouts. He was third in minutes, second in goalie point shares, and third in games. So he is, roughly speaking, it seems, the second best goalie of his era. Um, That era does not, I don't think that includes Dryden, but if it does, Dryden would be number one. And if not, I think it's Esposito who's ahead of him. Either way, uh, it does. It sort of only sort of overlaps with Esposito's career. So, but those would be the two guys I think who were probably ahead of him. Um, a standard season for him would be uh, uh, 
well, if if it was stretched, if it was prorated to 82 games, would be 37, 13, and 12 with three shutouts. Um, and again, his peak, if it was prorated to 82 games, would be a, an incredible 46, 23, and eight, two shutouts. And a less impressive 291 GA and 899 save percentage, but of course, it's the 70, or the early 80s, sorry, in this case. It's also worth noting um, uh, that he would have had for that three-year peak per 82 games about 32.6 goal saved above average, which is quite good. Um, so there's yeah. some seasons where leaders are like 29 goal saved above average for the season leader. So thir- over 30 is really good. Playoffs. Uh, when he retired, he was first in playoff wins. He was first in playoff minutes. He was first in games played by a goalie. Um, he is... Uh, still at this point, fourth all-time in uh, wins. He was eighth all-time in losses as well as retirement, 15 all-time uh, in shutouts, but he's no longer on those leaderboards because people played way more games. Um, Hockey Reference does do the game, the goal saved above average for the playoffs, but weirdly, it's it's really hard to sort of like figure out where people are at the leaderboards. So uh, we know he saved 91 goals saved above average, but not exactly what that means. Um. He also was 14th all-time in playoff save percentage at his retirement, and he had a 272 goals against average. Um, he is, by most metrics, the best playoff goalie of his era. He is first in wins, first in goals against, first in shots, first in saves, fifth in save percentage, but first in goals saved above average by over 30. Wow. Um, which is, a, a, like I said, an excellent NHL season. Um, and he was first in games played by nearly 40. Um, for his era, so uh, more so than whoever, whether it was Dryden or Esposito or whatever. Um, so, he, I mean, the save percentage in GAA sort of hurt him. I uh, put him in top five, but he played so much more than everybody else, like 40 more games, that, like, you got to expect a little bit of regression to the mean by playing way more. And, like, I don't yeah. know that it's, too, uh, like, a super big critique of him that he played way more games and has a less good save percentage than some other guys because like they might have had them drop too if they'd played 40 more playoff games you know like it's not like a yeah. little it's not like five um the various error adjustments uh put him as uh, a 269 goals against average adjusted which is 22nd all time ever and even better his adjusted save percentage is seventh all time at 917 seventh so that just goes to show you his his save percentage was is way better than we think. Um, there are also some uh, online metrics that people have calculated. Uh, I don't want to get into the explanation of what goals versus threshold and goals versus average are, but he's ninth all time in goals versus average and thirteenth all time in goals versus threshold. What this is saying it is between the seventh and twenty second best goalie in history um, if you adjust for era, which is you know it's pretty it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty damn good. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, about his his playoff stats. Like, it's just, you know, the the, the Islanders were an amazing team, but like, how important was they, they won nineteen straight playoff series? Like, you gotta figure the goalie factored in a couple of those series when maybe they were tired, maybe another team was really giving them, uh, you know, a really close run. And it's like, how how big is having you know, a goalie who's been there before, a goalie who's yeah. sort of like rock solid makes all the difference, right? Yeah. Oh. And we are going to uh, get into some of that in a second because he he really did. There were times he really, really did excel. So he, speaking of which, Bill, he won the Consumite in 83, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, 
He also won the Vesna in 82. It's worth noting he was top five in Vesna only one other time. And of course, that's really it. What's really important to note is that it was the Jennings prior to 81. So or 80, one or the other. So for half his career, he was not eligible for it as a, like inter, except for the fact that the Islanders were the best had the best goals against. Right. And that didn't happen. Um, and that could have been on him and, and the, his other goalies. But like the fact is, it was the Jennings before he won it. And, uh, you know, you can't, it's really easy to look at like Brodeur or Wah and say, like, look at all their top five Vesna finishes. They're great. Billy Smith doesn't have a lot of them because he wasn't eligible. It wasn't a voted on award prior to, mm-hmm. like, for the first half of his career, which I, I just think is, is relevant. He also did win the Jennings in 83 as well. Um, in fact, he had a, that season pretty good. He won the Jennings and the Consmith in '83, and the year before he won the business. So, pretty good couple of years there. Um, he 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 didn't really. He was not a crazy workhorse like some people, and so um, partly because of that, Hockey Reference had never has him as the best goalie by goalie point shares. But that is tied not just to the goalie, the team's winning, but also to playing a ton of games. And like I said, he only actually uh, he only actually played more than. Um, 50 games once in his entire career whereas if he had been playing you know like if he'd played 50 many seasons in a row he probably would have had a better chance of finishing uh, first overall among that stat he did lead the league in wins once and that was in 82 the same year he won the Vesna um, he was uh, top 5 in save percentage 8 times which is one of only 7 goalies ever and he was top 10 11 times which is one of 6 goalies ever so really elite company obviously that's only since like 58 but still he also was a first team all-star once um, he weirdly has only one all-star game appearance which is like super strange but I guess you know there's only like what 4 goalies at an all-star game so yeah yeah um and there is an uh, adjusted peak stat, and that he was, uh, if you if you adjust the goals versus average for peak, he's the tenth all time goalie, which again puts him in quite illustrious company. And as you were mentioning, Bill, he you need a good um, playoff goalie if you're going to do well a lot of the time in the playoffs. And it's worth noting that on two Islanders teams that didn't get very far, he still managed to lead the playoffs in goals against average twice. So those teams were not great. They they got eliminated in the second round, but he he was still by GAA the best goalie of two different playoffs. Um, those were let me just look. Um, they were seventy uh, nine and where's the other one? Oh no, uh, sorry. Um, so yeah, seventy nine, seventy eight, and in uh, in seventy nine he also led the uh, playoffs in save percentage as well. So that brings us to the the islanders as a as a dynasty and um when he won the con Smythe in 83 i think you know goalie winning the con Smythe is in some circles is, can be controversial right because yeah. they are only playing at one end of the ice and uh you know they they i mean they can't frankly they they can't score uh so yeah. well said but but at, at the same time um you know i i feel like a lot of a lot of people are sort of that, like, you know, it should be whoever scores the most points. And it's like the difference that a goalie can make in a, in a series like that is like, nobody else can make that much yep. of a difference. Like, yeah. So that's a very good point. Um, 
so the 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 leading scorer of the Islanders that year was Bob Byrne with t- 28 points in 20 games. 20 of those were assists, and uh, that's because Mike Bossy scored 17 goals in 19 games. And so it's <laughs> yeah. possible, like, given that Bob Bourne is not in the Hall of Fame and is not the most fondly remembered player of this Islanders dynasty, it is possible that he was benefiting at least somewhat from playing on a line with Mike Bossy, um, who was just, you know, yeah. tearing it up. But Mike Bossy had very few assists that year. He actually only had 26 points in 19 games, which for him was in the playoffs. I think there's years where he had 30 something points, right? Billy Smith didn't play in uh, every game. He, uh, he played in all but three and he was pulled in two. However, he led the playoffs in wins shots against saves, save percentage and shutouts, which seems like a pretty good resume uh, given um, the fact that like, it seems fairly clear that there wasn't uh, a consensus, you know, star player on the Islanders. Like you have the the leading score is not one of Trache, Bossy, and Potvin, and it's pretty clear that at least some of Bowen's points com- comes from just being, you know, with Mike Bossy because Mike Bossy was scoring so much. I don't have a problem with. I mean, we'll see when we get to the actual, like, if we ever do that Consmy series, but I don't have a problem with uh, Billy Smith's Consmy, uh, personally. Um, I think you lead the, the playoffs in the save, in save percentage, and you also win the cup. Like, you have a f- somewhat good case to win the Consmy. Do you, you have any pushback? No, not really. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like when... when uh, when the media wars, I mean, I mean, Bossy had 17 goals in nine, like 19 games, right? That's yeah, that's, that's a pretty like that's pretty all-time production. Yeah, but you know, a, a, a guy like I'm, I'm usually very on board with the goalie, unless a guy performs like Brian Leach in '94, like, and even then, I still think Richter probably should have had it, but. That's just me because I watched every minute of every game and just saw some of the miraculous saves he was making. And like, if he's, if, if Glenn Healy's in that's like for sure we win the cup, like there's no way, yeah. <laughs> which, which I always try to point out every time he mentions that team, like you sat on the bench. <laughs> um, sorry to shit all over Glenn Healy, but it's true. If, if Richter's not in that net, there's no way they win the cup, but you know, they probably would have been eliminated against the devils uh, long before that. So um, I, I'm never super opposed to it being the goalie. And I've actually like when Jiguer won it, um, I wasn't I wasn't old enough to remember when Hextall won it back in the day. But it's like if that guy's not there, that series is a blowout, like in both cases, right? So it's like yeah. I'm I'm usually fairly on board with the goalie if he plays exceedingly well, because a hot goalie can unbalance a series in a hurry, right? Um, you can even go as quickly as last year um, in, in the bubble when uh, Vancouver played Vegas. And yeah. Vancouver had no business being in that series whatsoever. They were awful. They got outshot horribly every game. They basically spent three quarters of the play in their own zone blocking shots and defending. And those three games, Demko stood on his head. He almost stole the series single-handedly, I want to say. Um, and if they'd provided him with any sort of goal scoring in the last game, they might have actually pulled it off. So, <laughs> so But if, if one guy can make that much of a difference... And, and it, it, it totally can happen, and it's unique to the goaltending position, I feel like. Even if McDavid goes off and scores, 
let's say he gets four points a game throughout the entire playoffs. If his goaltender is a big piece of crap and the defense isn't good, they're still going to lose. Like he's going to get four points a game. They're going to lose six, four, like just, you know, I feel like a goalie can actually, you know, much like a, much like a, a lights out pitcher in baseball can silence the other team. And it's just, it's one of those things. So when a goalie wins the con Smythe, I usually figure they deserved it. Um, yeah. The only thing that makes me a little skeptical is that Bossy's production is like all time great in the playoffs. Well, here's uh, the thing: the goals production is all time great for him. He doesn't have for him. He had other years where he scored like 17 goals as well, but yeah. he had like, you know, like 18 assists. And yeah. this year he's got nine, yeah. and that isn't terrible by any means. He still had more than a point per game, but it is like clearly. So inferior to that year that he had 36 points or whatever in 20 games um, where he also didn't win the con Smythe. And that's a whole other story, which we've talked about You can listen to the butch scoring episode. Um, I, for me, I, I want like, if I can't watch the series, which I couldn't because like I was, I was too, um, sorry. <laughs> was I too? No, I wasn't yet too. I was about to be too. Um, Without knowing, without being able to watch the series, I would say I want to see like some statistical proof, and that would be say percentage shutouts, and to a lesser extent GAA. And he has two of those, right? He was the best goalie by save percentage. He, he had the most shutouts. It's only two shutouts, but it was the '80s. That didn't yeah. happen much. That's a hell of a lot. Yeah, and and so for me, and the fact is, he also led the playoffs in shots against and saves, right? Like he, you can leave the. You can leave the regular season or playoffs in save percentage because you faced way less rubber than everybody else, but still qualify. That's not what happened this season. He got, he, I mean, they played the Oilers. He got shelled. And so for me, I'm perfectly fine with this. And I think if I had a vote, and again, without watching, it would be Smith then Bossy, and I could probably talk into Bossy, and maybe I would feel differently if I watched the series and go with bossy but like i'm okay on, on its face with smith winning this because like like i said he's got he led you know he, he got shelled relatively speaking and he led the playoffs in save percentage and he led the playoffs in shutouts that that's good enough for me yeah um, i agree so the, the important thing though is that he also excelled in some series where they didn't win the cup and that's in the 79 i mentioned in 79 um he led the playoffs in save percentage goals against and shutouts despite only going to the conference finals um in 84 the year the oilers beat them he led the playoffs in wins losses goals against shots against saves and minutes um and then in 77 he also uh the oil uh, the oilers the islanders didn't score much in 77 they went to the conference finals as well so he has at least three series where they actually advanced where he um you could consider him the um uh the the best player on the team and he has two other series where they didn't do very well where you consider him the best player so that's five which to me is you know a lot and uh i i i think that like we've definitely looked at goalies where like it wasn't that clear that they he was the goalie was the best player on the team for like five different playoff runs even even two of those not being successful right but i still or two more than two but like you know what i mean uh two in the sense of uh to not going very far. And that to me is, is notable. Um, because that's what really matters is the playoffs. 
and uh, so I, I I don't know. Um, he doesn't he didn't do anything internationally as far as I could figure out. So it's all on his NHL career and specifically his playoff success, of which there is a lot because of course he also won three other cups in addition. Um, and uh, you know he didn't. It's not like he was terrible on those other championship yeah. teams, right? Exactly. So one of the reasons I was sort of skimming through this is is and didn't go through all the details of like the number of leaderboards he was on for shots and shots against and saves and goals against and all this stuff. Um, well, there's one thing I should mention about that before we move on, but it just seems like Billy Smith got a pretty damn obvious case. Like, yeah, seems pretty exactly. straightforward. Pretty slam dunk, right? Like, yeah. The one thing I did want to mention that I forgot to, that I skipped over before is according to goal saved above average, uh, he, he is, had plus 15 goals saved above average 10 times. And there are only two other goalies in history to do that. And they are Wah and Esposito. So he was yeah. not only was he good at his peak, good enough to win, help win some championships and really excel in the playoffs. But he also for 10 seasons was, you know, reliable to a degree that only two other player, uh, two other goalies in history have been. Um, and that to me, like, it's just, it's, I just I don't have any doubts in my mind personally here. No, me either. Not it at all. Seems, it seems very very clear he was like, one of the best goalies of his era. Absolutely, and maybe the best goalie of his era. Like I mean, who else could you maybe make an argument that's better? Maybe Bernie Perron. Maybe Perron was excellent. Uh, but oh, they three, maybe, in there too. I almost forgot yeah. about Dryden. So. But they both like sort of predate him. And I know Billy Smith was playing around the same time as Dryden, but I believe I. Wouldn't be surprised Dryden if Dryden is slight, slightly older yeah. than Billy Smith. Uh, yeah, he he had he had retired. Uh, did he retire in '79 or '80? He retired. Yeah, in I know he, he retired 79. to go back to law. Yeah, so he retired to go back to law school, and the Islanders, you know, the Islanders won their four straight sort of yeah. thing. So it's like Dryden he, is three years older than Smith, despite starting uh, their careers at basically the same time, and that's yeah. because of college, right? Yeah. 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 So I'm, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, if you want to argue Dryden or Perron, I would say like I'm, I'm totally willing to uh, compare stats and go over all that stuff. You know, they they both won multiple cups, but I mean, other than that, I'm, I gotta say it's Billy Smith, and I can't. Uh, other than those three, I can't see anybody else really being in the conversation, right? Yeah. I mean, they they won the cups from uh, what what the Flyers won in '75, so they won, or was it no, was it '74? 70, uh, they won two in a row, Seventy, I yeah. think 74 and 75. Yeah, so then after that, it goes four for the Habs and then four for the Islanders. So basically, yep. those three guys won a decade of cups. Yep. So, I mean, really, like, if you're going to – you can't really throw anybody else from that era into the conversation uh, unless you get to the Edmonton dynasty right after that and start to, you know, talk about Grant Fuhrer. But I, Some I Blackhawks like, fan is really mad at you right now. But Oh, yeah, furious because of the Tony Esposito stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, show show me all his cups. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. He is he is an amazing goalie, but you know, it's still like these guys are they've got the playoff. Uh, yep. I, although yep. although the Hawks did make a couple of uh, was it early seventies they made the they made the yep. finals. I think yeah, it was the early 70s, in that. Yeah. yeah, so. But but you're right. Billy Smith really has the playoff. Like if you just look at his playoff stats, like you go on Hockey Reference and you look for the blacking in the playoffs, there's a lot of it compared to a lot of goalies who had pretty good regular seasons, you mm -hmm. know. And that 
I think we both agree that's pretty damn important. You know, if you if you did if you were a league leader in the playoffs more than you were by a lot in the regular season, like that's what teams want. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. So speaking of cups, we have two more uh, people to win lots of cups to talk about: uh, Steve Shutt and Guy Lapointe, who played very similarly. Uh, Shut played from 72 to 85, and uh, Lapointe played from 68 to 84. So really, really similar. Um, Shut was 20th all time at his retirement in goals of 424, which is now nowhere near that. He only scored 817 points in 930 games. He is not a point per game player, which I don't know you, about you, Bill. That shocked me. I did not know that about him. Um, I just assumed. Uh, yeah. that he was because I knew what his peak was like. But, of course, uh, his peak was his peak, and it he he didn't maintain it. Yeah. So, uh, Shutt was drafted in 72, um, and uh, we have talked about that draft class before, uh, but he does look pretty good in his draft class. He is first in goals, Um only by four, but he's still first in goals. He is third in assists behind Bill Barber and Peter McNabb. Um, so the first one is fairly illustrious. The second one less so. Yeah. Um, Points-wise, he is behind Bill Barber, but he's only four points ahead of uh, Peter McNabb. Um, plus minus, he is first, and he's first by, you know, 70. So pretty yeah, good. Well, he played for those halves, yeah, right? Like, yeah. And uh, he is second in point shares behind Bill Barber, uh, and that being because uh, Bill Barber scored more points in fewer games. So that makes sense. Um, We did an error calculation. However, uh, in my infinite wisdom, I kind of screwed this up a little bit because I did the 13 skaters to play 902 games between 72 and 85. And you know who that eliminated? It eliminated his teammate, Guy Lafleur. (laughs) <laughs> and the reason that's a problem is because, of course, there the debate you can have with Steve Shutt is whether he was a great player or whether he is the product of Guy Lafleur. And it's safe to guess that had I lowered the game's requirement to include Guy Lafleur, that Steve Shutt would be lower down on these totals. Yeah. Because, of course, Guy Lafleur vastly outscored Steve Shutt while they were doing Yeah, I, 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 you know, I, I don't even think Steve Shutt himself would argue that he was better than Guy Lafleur. Yeah, yeah. However... I think that a lot of people in Montreal feel like he was a little bit um, uh, overshadowed that, you know, because Guy's Guy Lafleur. He's Steve Shutt. It's Montreal. He's French Canadian. And Guy Lafleur is like, you know, the number one pick. Uh, They're retiring the number four in uh, in the uh, Quebec Major Junior League this year because of, you know, the the amazing things that he's, he's done and the contribution he made to junior hockey in Quebec. Like, he's... It, it, it's almost not fair to compare him to Guy, but at the same time, is are his numbers inflated because he played with them, or did Guy Lafleur get all the attention and people almost forget how great Steve Shutt was? Right, he did score a hell of a lot of goals. So. That is the big question, uh, which hopefully we'll get at least some uh, answer for today. Um, <laughs> Arrow wise, with not including Guy Lafleur, he. Uh, shut his third in goals and goals per game, which is great, but he's 10th in assists, 9th in assists per game, 7th in points, and 6th in points per game. So he's a top 10 offensive player for his era. Um, he's third in plus minus as well, but like Bill said, you know, that's uh, he's on Montreal Canadiens, and I, I didn't check, but we know Larry Robinson would have, would have been higher up on that list than him, and probably 
since they kind of overlap, probably Gila Point as well, or maybe not. Somebody else, it, it's quite possible, I didn't write this down, it's quite possible he was the third Hab, <laughs> plus minus there. Um, he was six in offensive point shares. Uh, he was actually the third forward in uh, defense point shares, which I don't know what that means. It could just mean goal differential was really good. And he was seventh overall in point shares of those uh, 13 players. So he looks like a pretty good player relative to his class, but it is, of course, or his error. But, of course, it's important to note that does not include Guy Lafleur. His ASU game averaged 72 points plus 35. The plus 35 is incredible. The 72 points per 82 games is a lot lower than I was expecting it to be. And notably, you know, not not a point per game. Um, his three-year peak is a, over a point per game. Uh 80 game average between 76 and 79 of 50 goals, 42 assists for 92 points, a ridiculous plus 63. Wow. Um, it is worth noting that Shutt's two best point per game seasons are four years apart. So whatever I did to calculate that three year peak hurt him slightly, but still 92 yeah. points in 80 games is, is pretty good. Uh, he was 18th all time in playoff goals when he retired, which is pretty great. Uh, and he was, uh, he's one of the rare players to improve his points per game in the playoffs. So he was almost a point per game player in the playoffs, 98 points in 99 games, which is much better than his regular season um, where he was, what was he? He was 0.89 in the regular season. Um, he was a, uh, again, he was like a top six, top seven offensive player uh, in the playoffs, I think. Um Sorry, closer to top 10, actually, a little bit lower. Um, and uh, when he retired, he was uh, 10th all-time in playoff goals per game. He is still somehow 16th all-time in playoff goals per game, which is pretty impressive. And he was 9th all-time in playoff points per game at his retirement. Um, as we might expect, the hockey reference adjustment for era really hurts him. It bumps him down 11 points, so that his 82-game average is 61 points, which is getting into really iffy territory. Um and it's also worth noting that he has so few assists and points that he doesn't qualify for the versus X error adjustment for assists of points just for goals, of which he has 378 and he's not on the leaderboards. Uh, we have, uh, I forgot to mention there were no trades to talk about with Billy Smith and with Steve Shutt. There's one trade and it is for future considerations. Um, it was to Los Angeles. He was 32 already. It was pretty clear that he was, you know, done. Um, yeah. He, uh, in fact, he retired immediately afterwards. So, um, so we have his accomplishments. He was a top 10 player by point shares once in 77, and that would be the year he scored 60 goals. That also made him a top five offensive player. Um, but he was only top 10 offensive player twice, 77 and 78. He did lead the league in goals once, and he led the league in goals per game once. He is also one of only nine players to score 60 goals at his retirement, now one of 20. And he is one of only eight skaters at his retirement to have 45 goals four times, and one of only 10 skaters at his retirement to have 35 goals seven times. So he was one of the most prolific goal scorers of his of ever at the time. He has since been eclipsed by lots of people because of the 80s. Um, he was top five in points and points per game once. Again, that would be that year, the year he scored 60 goals. Um, Despite his ridiculous plus-minus, he is only top five and plus-minus twice uh, and top ten five times. But, of course, that is because he was playing with a bunch of other guys who were top you know, top five all the time. He has one first 
team all-star and two second team all-stars and three all-star game appearances. Um, we like to talk versus X, the adjustment uh, does a peak adjustment, which is for me, I find very helpful in positioning where the player actually sort of ranks offensively all time. And his best seven seasons shut is a second all time as a goal scorer. If you do it to 10, you can really see him drop off because he's 105th all time and assists. He doesn't qualify in points. He looks much, much worse. Um, basically a top 200 player by points, top 100 player by goals. So there's a little bit here. He had this really good year and then, you know, he really didn't have a ton. He was not a dominant offensive player in the same way that Lafleur was. Uh, of course he has championships. He has four. Um, sorry, he doesn't have four. He's five. Uh, but he never led his team in points in the playoffs or goals or anything because, of course, Guy Lafleur. Um, he was a top three forward by points on 76, 77, and 78 champion, uh, Canadian. Sorry. He was a top six forward by points on 79. Um, and he was a role player. I'm not sure if he was hurt or whether he sat because he was so young on the 73 Canadians when they won as well. In addition, he played a, uh, I don't know if he played a checking role, but he played some kind of lower, like, uh, less ice timey role on the 76 Canada team that won the first ever Canada cup. So lots of hardware, uh, team hardware. I definitely think, there is an argument to be made he doesn't belong. I don't know that I agree with it or would buy it, but I could see people making it. Yeah. Um, he's not a point-per-game player. He clearly... I mean, his best season came as the line mate of the best player in the league at the time. Um, he didn't... He sort of did trail off. You know, once... at like 19 From 1980 on, there's like a precipitous decline which coincidentally I think is right when Luffler declined to two, right? And then Luffler retired. I don't remember when Luffler, Luffler retired the first time, but I don't know. How do you feel? Um, I, I feel like he's, he's got a legitimate hall case. Um, I don't, I don't feel like he's making it just because he was on uh you know that that Habs team that was just so damn dominant you know like I don't yeah. I don't feel like he's got a Kevin Lowe case where it's like hey you were also on that great team here you go like I feel like he he was such a key contributor to that um you know taking a little bit of the scoring pressure off some of uh you know like I mean Lafleur can't do even though he kind of could do it all <laughs> uh Lafleur you know by having another guy who can score you know, it, 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 the other team can't just shut down that one guy. They've got the other guy who can score, and he was a hell of a player. So, yeah. um, I, I I feel like he's got a way way more legit case as being maybe not the maybe not the the driving force on that team, but a key component. And there's no way they're as good as they ended up being without him. I I think of him. I think of him a lot more as like a Yari Curry. Uh, than like somebody who's getting lumped in because he was on a great team where it's like everybody talks about Curry. Well, would he have been as great without Gretzky? Be like, probably not, but the guy was so damn good in his own right that maybe the numbers wouldn't be quite as high, but he's still going to be a Hall of Famer whether he plays on a, a great team or a mediocre team. You know, like I think he still would have put up significant numbers and still had a case. 
No? I, I don't know that I agree with the Curry comparison. I think Curry's numbers are just like so much well, better than yeah. Shutt's. It's not even well, fit, they're like funny. Numbers, right? But I would say I agree with the point you were making earlier in that like this isn't Clark Gillies, you know? This yeah. isn't a guy who got like his first team all-star because um, – because he, I mean, it is, he got a first team all-star because he's a left wing, but he also led the league in goals when he got that first team all-star. Yeah. That is not what Clark, how Clark Gillies got his first team all-stars. Clark Gillies got his first team all-stars because he was a, a reasonably high scoring left wing on a good team, you know? Yeah. And um, I do think that like, I, I, I would go with the Gillies comparison for Shutt's benefit because I think it makes Shutt look way more deserving in the hall. Yeah. Uh, because Gillies, you can look at and you go like, Aside from the end of season All Star team um, wins and that one year he led the Islanders in the pl- uh, in playoff points, mm-hmm. you can look at Gillies and go like, "What?" And Steve Shutt has he never led the uh, he never led the uh, playoffs in points, but he um, he did lead the league in goal scoring. And, um, and in particular, it's worth noting that wasn't like power play goal scoring. He led the league in even strength goal scoring too that year. 52 even strength goals in 80 games is, is quite good. Um, and I do think that like, though I didn't watch him play, you know, he doesn't have these, like he only has one of the three playoffs where he, he wasn't a massive contributor, but it's also worth noting that all four of those cups, he was a major contributor on. He was a point per game player. In fact, he was better than a point per game player on three of the four. And, yeah. you know, that's, Yes, he was playing with Lafleur. Um, yes, he he did see a fairly precipitous decline, uh, you know, as as Lafleur also got older. I think there's probably enough here to justify him being in. I'm not sure, as you often say, Bill. We would probably the two of us left to our own devices would have a much stricter Hall of Fame. I'm not mm-hmm. sure Shut would be in that for me, but I yeah. think given the Hall as it is, he has a way better case than. Lots of guys, not just Clark Absolutely. Gillies and Kevin Lowe, but plenty of guys. And in fact, a guy we are about, to, we're going to talk about, not immediately, but not very far from now. Um, so I don't have a problem with it. I could totally be, I, I feel like I could be, as you always say about the guy buying you a beer and talking you into it, I could be <laughs> talked into either direction here. But I do think the precedent has been set, maybe not before Shut was inducted. I don't know. We're going to find out as we go back in time, but certainly afterwards. There, I mean, we've been talking about guys uh, constantly, seemingly throughout the '90s, who were inducted. Where there's at least one one of them, you're sort of like, hey, I don't 100% know about this guy. Yeah. Uh, and like Steve Shutt, it's like, well, at least he has that leading the league in goals. At least he has those cups. You know, yeah. he has better playoff numbers than he has regular numbers. Yeah, regular I, numbers. I, I I feel like he was. Like, I think anybody who watched that era would have been like, you know, the Canadians' big three on defense, uh, you know, Robinson, uh, LaPointe, and Savard. That's massive to those teams being so dominant and having a, a game-breaker like Guy Lafleur. But I feel like if Steve Schutt's not there, then maybe it's not four cups in a row, you know? Like, maybe they're maybe they're down a couple of cups. Maybe they're down at least one cup. Um, you know, he led the league in scoring. He very clearly was a very capable goal scorer. And I think whether he played with Lafleur or not, he's, you know, let's let's say Lafleur draws a lot of attention and he scores on average five to ten less than he scores because Lafleur's on his line. I feel like he's still got a solid case, given that he was on championship teams. But I, I you know, like 
like we, you know, I, I always bring it up, but like, you know, Lowe's getting lumped in because he was on an all time great team. I don't feel that's the case with Shutt. I feel like he's got, he's got some stats and, um, some uh, some dominance to to back him actually being in there just in terms and and the the playoff resume where you know his numbers went up and he was a key contributor on a team that was supremely dominant you know so I feel like he's yeah. got a really he's got a really solid case to get into the hall and when, then when you talk about how it's currently constructed well yeah it's a no brainer right like just yeah. there's so many guys who have way lesser cases than he does so yeah so speaking of Gila Boyne. Um, he's up next. Uh, he played. We have um, one of the other members of the Habs big three on defense, as uh, Bill mentioned. We talked about Larry Robinson before. We will talk about Serge Savard in a little bit. Not this episode, but a future episode. The point didn't win the Norris, though. Um, it's worth noting. And that is something that some people would hold against a guy who didn't win six cups, I'm sure. Uh but he won six cups. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, when he retired, he had 171 goals, which put him the sixth defenseman all time. Uh, 451 assists, which put him seventh defenseman all time. And 622 points, which put him sixth defenseman all time. Of course, defenseman scoring went way up after that. And so he's no longer in any of those positions. But it's worth knowing he was one of the top six or seven offensive, best offensive defensemen ever when he retired. Uh, he's also... Uh, 20th all-time in plus-minus, and he was 11th at his retirement, which is no surprise. He was 25th all-time in goal, a defenseman games played at his retirement as well. And he was 8th all-time in point shares, uh, as well as 6th all-time in offensive point shares among defensemen, and 16th all-time in defensive point shares at his retirement. So by those various metrics, he was one of the best defensemen ever when he retired. Uh, though off, obviously a bunch of those are offensive metrics. Um... He was uh, not drafted. Uh, he, I'm really not sure. I should have looked this up. I think he was one of the last, like, sort of territorial selections or whatever we call them. Um, but uh, he was not drafted, so there is no draft to talk about. Um, it is worth noting, also, I forgot to mention that he was six all-time in a per game amongst defensemen when he retired, as well as six all-time in... Uh, points per game um and uh so uh, the 80s drove those numbers those rankings down but like again one of the top like six or seven offensive defensemen in history when he retired arrow wise he's basically one of the fifth best offensive defensemen anyway for his era as well as one of the fifth best defensemen overall so he's third in goals fifth in assists fifth in points fifth in plus minus third in offensive point shares fifth in defensive point shares and fourth in point shares so looks pretty good um, I think some of those numbers might be behind, uh, you know, Poffin and Robinson, though I'm not sure this would capture them because he played, he started playing a few years earlier than those guys, like four years earlier than those guys. So maybe we're talking about, we might be talking about or, uh, Brad Park, people like that, but he was one of the best five defensemen of his era, which given what we've talked about on the show is usually pretty, pretty good is enough to get someone in the hall of fame, you know? Yeah. Um, 82 game average of 57 points and plus 31, which is quite good. His three-year peak of 74 to 77 is an 80 game average of 75 points, so almost a point per game as a defenseman and plus 40. So excellent numbers, of course. Like Steve Shutt, there is a there is a team bonus, you might say. Um, playoffs. He 
he again, uh, if you if you look at defenseman and you look at all time when he retired, he looked pretty damn good when he retired. He was the third defenseman in all time playoff goals when he retired, tenth in all time assists, seventh or sixth in all time points, ninth in plus minus, and uh, ninth in games played. If you um, do per game, he was fifth all time in goals per game among defensemen. Though only six players actually qualified, he was seventeenth all time in assists per game. Twenty-one players qualified, eighth all time in points per game. Twelve players qualified. So maybe one of the top offensive defensemen in the playoffs ever. But also keeping in mind that the Hockey Reference qualifiers were quite high and exclude a lot of de- uh, defensemen from earlier eras because you needed to score twenty playoff goals and thirty playoff assists and fifty playoff points which, like, guys from the 20s never came close, right? Because we're talking about careers of, like, 10 playoff games. So Yeah. <laughs> but he still looks good if you do it by era as well. He's third in goals, six in assists, and fourth in points among defensemen for his era, which is pretty great. Um, and, yeah. you know, that would be behind or... Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like if you played in the, the era of or, very similar to, like, the era of Gretzky and Lemieux, like, if you're first behind those guys, they should just say first. Like, just, yeah. like, it's not, it's not even fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, no. definitely he, if you, if you eliminate Bobby Orr, he bumps up in everything one place. Uh, yeah. and you know, then his competition is Brad Park. I, I assume, I don't remember yeah. who was ahead of him. And, uh, cause the thing is he, cause he's 68 to 84. I think this eliminates Pava and Robinson. Um, yeah. and so then I'm, I'm trying to think who other, who might, who else might be in there. Um, and off the top of my head, all I can think of is Orr and, and Park, um, which yeah. goal-wise would make sense because there's he's third, uh, Lapointe is third. Uh, maybe maybe Savard, but Savard was actually less of an offensive player than Lapointe. So. Yeah. Um, the adjustment for Era hurts him as well, but nowhere near as much as sh- shut. It just drops him down six points to 51 points per 82 games, which is still very respectable for a defenseman. 14 goals per 82 games. Adjusting for Era is very good for a defenseman. Um, he doesn't qualify for any versus X adjustments for career, which is not a surprise because he was a defenseman. Um, there was one trade. He was traded at uh, nearly uh, 36 years old for a second round pick, which became Sergio Mameso. But he was, you know, this is a, the point at which the Habs were basically like sort of like taking apart their old dynasty. You know, Fleur was close to retiring. Shut was close to being traded. And uh, I assume at this point, LaPointe was, you know, um, I said 36. He was 33. I don't know how that happened. Um, he was he was almost 34, rather. Anyway, regardless, they were getting rid of their old guys. And, uh, you know, you can see the value. Shut, fetch future considerations. LaPointe fetched a second-round pick. You know, it was, it, it, the market seems to not value these guys anymore, eh? Um, so, uh, he never won the Norris, but he finished top five in Norris six times, voting six times. And I'm not sure, uh, finding out how many, like how many times a player could finish top five without winning would take a lot of research, frankly, more than I was willing to do. Uh, so I don't know if that's the most times to finish top five without winning. I suspect not. I, I'm sure we could find someone like Brad Park or somebody who, you know, would be more, but it's still a lot to finish top five and never win, right? Like, that's, like, um, and he finished second, 
He finished second once, but he finished top three twice, top four, uh, four times. So that's that's probably quite up there among guys who to never win the Norris. Um, he uh, Hockey Reference does list him as the best defensive player in '76 by point shares. So that's some consolation. Probably not a consolation, frankly. But um, he was one of the preeminent goal scorers. Uh, among defensemen, which is something that I didn't know about him because, of course, I didn't watch him play. He retired when I was a toddler. Um, he scored 25 goals twice, and he was only one of eight defensemen uh, to ever do so um, at his retirement. And he was only one of 20 defensemen ever to score 20 goals three times. And uh, it is worth noting that at his retirement, he was also one of only seven defensemen um, to score 15 goals five times. So he was one of the, you know, best defensive goal scorers in history at the, at that point. Um, and, you know, he's similar. His, his, his points don't impress now, but they impressed in the 70s. You know, he was one of only nine defensemen to ever have 70 points twice at his retirement, for example. So he definitely was a, a strong offensive defenseman to a degree, maybe a little bit more than... Um, and Robinson certainly more than Savard. Yeah. Um, he also had his one first team All Star uh, that year. That um, I think it was the year that he was also the best defenseman by. Uh, oh no, it wasn't. He actually won it in '73. Um, weirdly, the year that Hockey Reference thinks he's the best defenseman, he was a second team All Star because he has uh, uh, three second team All Star appearances as well. Um, the versus XP. Peak adjustment doesn't really make him look very good because he's a defenseman, and so we'll just skip over that. Um, it is worth noting that uh, by some metrics, he was the best defensive player on the 73 Habs who won the Stanley Cup. Um, and I believe that's... Is that not the year that uh, Savard won it? I, uh, I can't remember. When I Google 73 Con Smythe, I get an address in Scarborough. So good job, Google. Uh, way to way to uh, not have any idea what I could possibly be looking for. Um, if you're if you're worried about you know AI, there's a good example that is not as as good as you think. Um, actually, no, that was the Cornerier one, and that makes sense because he he set the record in goals that year, playoff goals with 15. So uh, I think I'm I'm willing to say that he definitely. Cornier probably gets that, but still, Lapointe was the best defenseman on that team. He led the, he uh, had the most points of any defenseman uh, on the Habs. He also led the playoffs in plus-minus, and of course they won. So I think you know, without watching it, obviously, I mean maybe Serge Savard was better, but like he was probably the best defenseman on at least one champion. He was a top two defenseman by points on the '76 and '71 Canadians, and he was top four by points on '70. I said 76 and 71, I meant 76 and 77, and he was top four point points on 71, 78, 79. So that is a lot of cups, and that is an important role on all of them. Um, he also won a Canada Cup in 76, and he won the whatever we call the Summit Series Championship in 72. So, much like with Billy Smith, I'm inclined to just say, sure, <laughs> makes sense. Not not controversial, you know? Um how do you feel? Uh, for me, not controversial. He's, yeah. you know, I, I 
I, I think, you know, um, like I said before, the strength of that team was Dryden, Nets, and those big three of defensemen. Like, they just one of them was always on the ice, like, at all times. So, yeah. like, you always had an elite defenseman on the ice. And then, you know, inevitably he breaks up a play. Oh, sped it up to Lafleur or yeah, Lafleur shot. Ah, you're getting a goal. Like, just they were so hard to beat because those teams, even though they, you know, Lafleur would score 50 goals, shut could score 50 goals. It was like you just you could never outscore them because they had, you know, two guys who could put up 50 in any given year, and they were going to lock you down because they had those three great defensemen. So. I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's like the three of them were so great, and I don't think we've ever seen anything like that since. Yeah. But I think the closest thing we had was Niedermeyer um, and Pronger with Beauchemin, but Beauchemin was right at his peak. If Beauchemin had kept that up for his entire career, then you'd be talking about sort of the same type of thing. But even just that one year where it was like, yeah, dude, like, what are you going to do? They're always on the ice. Like, you're just, there's nothing, like, they're so good defensively. And I think that's what, like, all three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, and I think all three of those guys should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. You know, if it's not for Bobby Orr and Brad Park playing in that era, like, you're talking about the three best defensemen in the league. Well, Pot Bang as well, but, like, you're talking about, let's say, you know, out of the six best defensemen in the league, three of them play on the same team. Like, it's really yeah. kind of not fair, right? So, yeah. Um, it isn't fair. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think, like, you know, I didn't, obviously, I didn't watch these teams play, but, like, the point was um, one of the best offensive defensemen of his era. He um, he was on the best, possibly the best team ever, but he was also on a previous iteration of that franchise that wasn't the best team ever, but was still good enough to win some cups, uh, one of which he played a, a very big role, perhaps the second biggest role or third biggest because of Dryden. Um, and like, and then he also, you know, he was, he has that international competition that a lot of guys his age don't have, right? Because international competition for pro players didn't really become a thing until the seventies. And then it was only very sporadic. And the fact that he was on two of these teams, not just one, like Steve Shutt, I think also ended those teams succeeded, um, is another like feather in his cap. And, you know, I, I just think there's no real controversy at all. You know, guy wants six cups he was possibly one of the best couple of players on one of those teams and was always important on the rest of them and has other you know has international stuff has a first team all-star has a bunch of top five norris finishes i mean i just think there's a it's a very good case yeah so, yeah it's to me it's rock solid like yeah yeah I yeah see I, how you can question it yeah so that's a good segue to someone whose case not only we should uh, question uh it's kind of incomprehensible and even perhaps more so than some of the other old timers who were inducted by the old whatever veterans committee or whatever the hell it was called that doesn't exist anymore uh in the 90s we have a case of somebody who was inducted for reasons that i could not figure out and it's possible that i should have like spent a lot of time on hockey's future hockey of history board like searching for a, a, a post on uh Leprad to find some reason um, but I certainly couldn't discover in going through his stats and reading about him on Wikipedia why this guy is in the Hall of Fame, and you're about to see why. So he played for 10 seasons only, from 45 to 55, eight of which were quality. He scored 108 goals in that time, 
280 points in 500 games. It's worth noting that he was a center, not a defenseman. So if you're counting, that's barely more than a point per game. And yes, it's the original six era. And yes, scoring was lower. But it's worth noting that Richard and Howe existed at this point And we're scoring a hell of a lot more than this guy. He has 23 career point shares. I can't tell you how low that number is. But like, you know, it that's like like two, two and a half or two Lidstrom seasons. And I understand more games played and stuff like that. But we're not talking about, you know, a lot of point shares. Um, Leprod doesn't qualify uh, for any uh, point per game, but if you are generous and set it to games played instead of goal or assist or point thresholds, he is still not in the top 25 for any points per game, obviously, because he scored, uh, you know, point, what, what would that be? Point uh, 40, or sorry, point five six points per game his entire career. Um, era, he played... So of 43 players to play 410 games between 45 and 55, he is 22nd in goals. He is 19th assists. He is 21st in points. It's a six-team league. That puts him as outside of the first line, right? Yeah. Like all other things being equal, which obviously they're not. Uh, he's 23rd in offensive point shares for that period. He's 35th in defensive point shares, the 24th forward. So I understand that Hockey reference defensive point shares doesn't capture defense, and it's quite possible this guy was actually an excellent defensive forward. But at least without watching film, the metric says no. The metric says he's just a guy. Uh, and he's 33rd point shares out of 43 players. So that is not great. His 82 game average is 46 points, not even 20 goals, not even 30 assists. His 60 game uh, peak three-year peak from 45 to 48 is 44 points. So nowhere near a point per game. And yes, it was original six, but also uh, there was some, you know, this is around the time that like Richard scored uh, 50 goals. His playoff numbers are uh, not better. They are not better. They are worse. He has 13 points in 18 games, which I guess is slightly better uh, overall. But if you compare the era, he is 65th in goals, playoff goals. He is 37th in assists. He is 47th in points. Now, he is 5th uh, in assists per game and 11th in per points per game, which m looks a lot better in the playoffs. But he did only play 18 games, and of course we had to like you know basically do a games played qualifier. So had he played uh, more than... He is the 93rd in games played. So the question that you can ask, if you do think that for some reason being... Fifth in assists per game, playoff assists per game for his error, and eleventh in points per game qualifies him. It's like, what would happen had he played, you know, the sixtieth most games, the fortieth most playoff games? Would those numbers have been as high? It's worth thinking about. There's reason why qualifiers exist for rate stats, right? It's because the fewer games you play, the easier it is you you can have really impressive numbers. His adjustment for era uh, bumps him up to three hundred and twenty-eight points in five hundred games. It means so sixty-three point. Uh, points per 82 games average, which is much better. It's still not necessarily Hall of Fame worthy, but it's much better. But that is a plus 17 adjustment, which gives you some idea of how low the scoring was, but also, you know, 63 points per 82 games is, is not necessarily Hall of Fame worthy unless he's done something else. So he's won some awards, and that may be why he's in. He won the Calder in 46 that season. He had 
uh, 15 goals and 19 assists in 30 oh, for 34 points in 49 games. So I guess that was a good season at the time. He also won the Lady Bing. Uh, he was top five, or sorry, top 10 rather in goals per game once. He was top five in assists once, top five in assists per game once, and that is the sum total of his offensive accomplishments in his career. He somehow made four all-star game appearances because, of course, it was original six and there were six teams and you had a guy from every team and, you know, the Rangers were not good for uh, a, a big chunk of this. Um, they did make the finals in in, uh, in 50 and he was a top three forward on that team by points. So that is his, his big claim to fame. Uh, he was a top three or top six forward uh, by points on one conference final in 48, but we need to remember that when I say conference final, I'm being very kind. It was a six-team league. It's really just the first round. Um, but, you know, it was a semifinal. <laughs> semifinal slash first round. It sounds better than it was. So the one other thing that he has to maybe, maybe say that he belongs is that he was um, possibly the best player by points on uh, an Allen Cup champion, the 39 Bearcats. Oh, and one Ooh. other thing. He also won the Thunder Bay Senior Hockey League MVP twice. That, that, that's a great name for a team. I really like Bearcats. Bearcats, yeah. Yeah. So, um, the reason I sort of skim through that angrily is because, like, honestly, I have no idea. Um, I, I couldn't. It feels like he might be inducted for his amateur play, you know, at a time yeah. when, like, that wasn't a thing anymore. Um, I was just trying to look up the Bearcats were the Port Arthur Bearcats, which Port Arthur, for anyone who doesn't know, Ontario geography, Port Arthur is a former city next to Thunder Bay. The two of them were merged. Well, sorry, Port Arthur was merged with another city to become Thunder Bay. So anyway, FYI, um, I don't know. Like, it's bizarre. Uh, this is not a star player. You know, he might have led the Rangers in points once or twice, but the Rangers weren't any good. So yeah, the Rangers suck. Yeah. Even when they don't suck, they still suck. <laughs> he made he made the playoffs twice in ten yeah. seasons, twice. I he, maybe he's just got that thing going for him. Is where that team's a big piece of crap. So he's the only good guy on it. Remember how great he was, like yeah. compared to how shitty his team was. Like sometimes you get that right. You're like the only good guy. Um, yeah. It's it's this this one. You know, we've we've sort of talked around like who who is the sort of like patient zero a little bit for like bad Hall of Fame inductions, and I I know that we are going um, further and further uh, like back into history, and we're probably going to find more of these guys where we're just like. Uh, um, It, this one is one um, one of the most egregious for me so far, you know, because like with some of the other guys we talked about who this so-called whatever veterans committee, whatever they were called, inducted in the 90s, you do see at least like one thing here or there where you're like, OK. And for Laprade in the NHL, it's the Calder. Like, that's it, right? Like he won the Calder, and that's not. There are lots of lots of Calder winners are not in the Hall of Fame, right? And this is this is a good thing. Yep. Um, 
yeah, it doesn't it doesn't always work out the way you want it to, right? He was uh, trying to think of a few recent examples. Uh, Andrew Raycroft, even though he's a perfectly serviceable goalie, the way his Thanks career started. For bringing that up. Well, you asked for it. Hey, you know what? <laughs> hey, Tuca doesn't have any cups since then either, right? So you, you could have done worse. Um, sure. And in fact, in he's probably he's probably the reason the Bruins haven't won any cups uh, in, in a while. So, um, uh, you know, it's it's a very optimistic way of looking at that trade, Bill. Thank you. Well, you, you know what? Honestly, like he, he could prove us wrong this year, but it seems like every time they get close, he always has like a bad game at the worst time. Um, very Freddie Anderson like if um, we're going to get into the whole modern thing. I'm, I'm not a big believer, but uh you know, it's there's a lot of Calder winners. Where it's like you think this guy's just gonna have this dynamite career, and it's like, nope, he started in a great situation, or had a dynamite first year, and then just kind of falls off the cliff, like it happens, right? So, it's it's, my, uh, it's, my it's a hard league to play in. <laughs> Barrett Jackman would be my like obscure Calder guy that I think of instantly, um, because you know, same here. But I feel like I feel like he. He was that Francois Beauchemin to the the McInnes Pronger duo, and then once that team sort of split up, he you know his skill set wasn't like he was exactly what they needed, like a hard nosed D man. But I also remember Bertuzzi like absolutely destroyed him one year, and I, I don't think he was the same after that. Like that hit was so goddamn hard. <laughs> like, I still yeah. remember it now, and I I think I don't think I've ever seen it again. Just I remember watching it at the time and like, oh my god. Like, yeah, no, I just mean of like like and there I think there's plenty of guys we could go back through the caller list and find all these yeah. guys who like, you know, it's 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 about how good a rookie you were. It has no yeah. and, bearing and on your guy, potential future and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so this guy has these two NHL awards, one of which gives a little bit you know, a little some indication of uh some quality hockey play, and the other one barely basically, and then there's nothing else. You know, he was a he had one good, decent season in the original six. Um, you know, yeah, I'm just looking up to see if the uh, the the goal per game season and the assist uh, season were yeah they were different. So two two okay seasons. Um, and then you know he wasn't even the best player on that Rangers team that went to the finals in '50. Um, unless of course again caveat we don't know he might have been an excellent defensive player and we just don't know about that. But then you have like the the fact that he won the Allen Cup, and you have this like clearly legendary amateur career at a time when that stuff doesn't matter for hockey Hall of Fame induction anymore, right? It matters in the twenties, in the teens. I just I'm not convinced it matters in the thirties and forties. I've never seen anyone else inducted for those reasons. Um, it just it it feels like there's nothing here. I mean, the best I can come up with is like he was a quote unquote playoff performer when he made the playoffs because his numbers went up. But the man played in 18 playoff games. So what does that mean? You know, um, it's not that's not many for for even for the era. It, w- it would be a lot for the 20s. It'd be a ton for the 20s. It's not a lot for uh, the 40s and 50s. Right. Like given that like Richard's numbers for that point or how's would be considerably the number of games played would be much higher right i i just i'm i'm sort of at a loss for words as you can tell as to why and yeah i i have no idea 
Like all I could find was like it's he's a controversial induction. Okay, thank you. But can anyone explain like what they were thinking? You know. I think we're both of the opinion when there's an old timer guy, we're like, ah, he's already in. Leave him in. I don't want to stir up any trouble. And it's like, no, this maybe we should take this guy out. Like that's enough. <laughs> and, he, and, and and Bill, before you mention your own your regular point, he did not. He was alive, and he didn't die for a very long time after he was inducted. So all right, uh, that's it. We're kicking him out. Yeah, like I I just I have no idea why this guy is in the Hall of Fame. It makes no sense. And if you have any idea why, you should you know tweet at us or comment on our Facebook page because like I would like some some explanation as to what the hell is going on here <laughs> so uh billy smith yay or nay 100 percent. yeah me too steve shut right uh, a, a solid yes given the, yeah. the current construction of the hall yeah i'm i'm like i'm in the 60s or 70s in terms of percent there but like i definitely especially in terms of the current construction of the hall i am a solid yes gila point yep He's in for me. Yeah, absolutely. To me, he's also a, a slam dunk along with Billy yeah. Smith. And then finally, Edgar LeBrad. No, we're kicking him out. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, this is like, I, I complained a lot about, was it Harry Watson? And there was somebody else as yeah. well. And like, mm. this is worse, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I've had enough of coddling these old timers. Get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's it for uh, this one for us. Um, the next episode is 92, where we have Lanny McDonald and some other people. Oh, um, beauty. Yeah. Uh, so let, uh, but I can't remember the others off the top of my head, but we hope you will tune in for that one, too, and we will see you next time. Take care.